0: You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, I'm so excited to kick off this new series, Freedom. Let me start by asking you this question. What comes to mind? When you hear the word freedom, when you think of the word freedom, what comes to mind? Maybe for some of you, you know, you think of your freedom as an American. You kind of feel patriotic. You think about the 4th of July, the Statue of Liberty, your freedoms that are enshrined in the Bill of Rights, in the Constitution. Of course, most of us have no idea what rights there are in there because we haven't read the Constitution since junior high. But we know they're in there somewhere. Maybe you think about financial freedom. What it would be like to not have to work or maybe to be retired one day and to be able to sit around on the beach in Florida. Can I get an amen, somebody? (laughs) Maybe when you think of freedom, this picture comes to mind. You think of Mel Gibson with blue paint smeared on his face from Braveheart yelling, freedom! Come on, it just makes my chest swell just looking at that picture. (laughs) Whatever comes to mind when you think of freedom, I want to give you this one idea right up front. It's one thing to be free It's another thing to live like you're free. How many of you know those are two different things? It's one thing to be free. It's another thing to actually live like you're free. You see, I think for us as modern day people living in a a democracy, we almost take this idea of being free for granted. It's like, you know, this is America, Pastor Jeremy. After all, we're the land of the free and the home of the brave. We're free. You could get in your car today and drive anywhere you want after the service. You could drive all the way to California if you want to. Come on, we're free. You can get on Amazon Prime and order anything you want. It'll show up to your house in two days, maybe even one. Can I get an Amazon Praise? Somebody. (laughs) Come on, we have the freedom of speech. You can go on social media and say whatever you want and offend everybody. It's a free country. But as free as we are, I think if we're honest, we don't always feel free. We don't always live free. There are things in our lives that weigh us back. There are obstacles that kind of weigh us down. Sometimes we even feel like prisoners, if we're honest. There are these things in our lives. For, for some of you, maybe it's anger. Maybe you just find yourself angry all the time, and you're not even sure why, but it affects your relationships and the people that, that you love. Maybe for some of you, it, it, it's an addiction it's some self-coping mechanism, some, some tendency that, that you have. It's self-destructive and, and you know it's not good for you, but you find yourself slipping back into it. Maybe it's overeating. Maybe it's drinking too much. Maybe it's sex addiction. Maybe it's overworking. Maybe it's mindlessly scrolling through social media and just wasting like hours of your life. For some people, it's pain. It's the pain of the past that just when you think you're over it, it just kind of pops back up out of nowhere. For some of you, it's this sense of the shame. Maybe it's something you did or something that happened to you. And, and there's this sense like if people knew this about me, they would see me differently. I know for some of you today, you're new to our church. Maybe somebody invited you or you're watching online. And, and there's this sense of coming to a new church and, and like, man, if, if people really knew my, my story, if they knew what I've done or what happened to me, they would, they would see me differently. What is it for you? Maybe, maybe it's negative patterns of thinking and lies that you find yourself telling to yourself Things that are, that pop into your, in your mind and, and, and they sabotage your relationships. They sabotage your, your success. For some people, it's fear. It's overwhelming fear. It's anxiety that cripples you from moving forward. We all have things that weigh us down at times. We all have things that cause us to not live free. But I've got good news for you this morning. If that's you, you came to the right place because we believe there's freedom in Jesus Christ. Amen? Here's what Jesus said, John chapter 8, verse 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. We believe God wants to do a great work of freedom in your life through the work of Jesus Christ. Now, many of you who consider yourselves to be followers of Jesus, you've experienced that freedom in some measure. But how many of you discovered that the moment you placed your faith in Jesus, all of your problems did not automatically go away? Like your credit score did not automatically go up when you placed your faith in Jesus. (laughs) The difficult people in your life didn't just disappear. You didn't just automatically step on the scale and start losing weight and fitting into the outfits you've been hoping to fit into. All of your health issues didn't just go away the moment you placed your faith in Jesus. Anybody else with me? And so here's the point. Jesus invites us into a journey. Freedom is a journey, this life with God, this relationship with Jesus. It's a journey to experiencing freedom. It's something that Jesus invites us into. And I want to invite you into this journey as we go on this journey together as a church family and in life groups over the next few, few weeks to experience this work of freedom that I believe God wants to do in your life. Today, I want to start by talking about a fundamental aspect of freedom, something that we, have to, that we have to have to experience freedom and to live in it. And so I'm going to give you a core principle today, and our topic is identity. Come on, everybody say identity. We're going to talk about identity today. You see, one of the most important needs that we have as human beings is to experience, in order to experience freedom, is to know who we are is to have a sense of self-worth and, and self esteem uh, to to be known and, and to be loved, to have a healthy sense of of identity. How many of you remember Uh, or ever heard of this concept before, Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. If you took a psychology class in college or maybe even high school, you've probably heard of this. Uh, This was a theory proposed by an American psychologist psychologist named uh, Abraham Maslow. He put this theory out in 1943. And the theory is basically a classification system intended to reflect the universal needs of society. And so it starts out with like the basic physiological needs for food and shelter and water. And then it builds upon that with safety needs for personal security and employment, and then to love and belonging, friendships and intimacy and a sense of connection. And then I want you to notice the top two. That at the top layers: is esteem, respect, self-esteem, status, recognition, and then self-actualization. The desire to become the most that one can be. In other words, what Maslow is saying here is that once your basic needs are met, like food and shelter and connection, after that, we aspire to have a healthy sense of identity. Like wherever you are today in life, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, whether you're a follower of Christ and a member of this church or you're brand new here, this is your first time here, you're still sorting it out. Like something we all have in common is a need for a healthy sense of identity. It's at the top of the list. And as Christians, we believe that this need for identity is actually hardwired inside of us. We believe this is something that God placed inside of us. In fact, for thousands of years, the people of God have been telling a story that explains this essential identity as human beings, our essential identity as human beings. And it's found in the creation story. In the very beginning, the very first book of the Bible, we read that God created human beings in his image. What does that mean? It means he placed something of himself on the inside of us, and and he invited us to be his representatives on this earth, literally to be co-heirs with God. That was humanity's essential original identity, original purpose, to be co-heirs with God and to have dominion over creation. He entrusted it to us. But we know, if you know the story, we know that things did not go well. We know not far into the the story, humanity rebelled against God, rebelled against God. And our relationship with God is broken. And with that brokenness came sin and ultimately the curse of death. But the good news is God was not willing to leave us in that condition. He sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life on our behalf, to go to the cross for our sins, to be resurrected, to give us new life so that our relationship with God could be restored so that we can be restored back to our original identity and purpose. But here's the idea. A broken relationship with God leads to a fractured sense of identity. Broken relationship with God, which the Bible teaches us is our state, now that we're in this fallen state. A broken relationship with God leads to a fractured sense of identity. Here's the point I want you to understand today. If you don't find your identity in Christ, then you'll always be looking for it in the wrong place. You'll always be looking for it in the wrong places. If you don't tap into this work that Jesus Christ did for you in restoring your relationship with God the Father, in restoring God's original purpose and intent for your life, for your identity, then you'll always be looking for it in the wrong places. And so let me ask you this. Where do you find yourself seeking identity? Where do you find yourself looking for self-esteem and self-worth and validation? Let me describe a few common places that we tend to look for. It, and you can tell me if these resonate. Here's one of the first places we, we tend to look for identity. Number one, it's performance. 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 It's this idea of I am what I do. Remember, we're talking about identity here. Performance. I think many people, most people measure their value based on how successful they are at work, at school, at relationships, at making money, uh, at advancing in, in their social status. Like that is where most people have a tendency to look for Self-validation for identity. And here's the thing. It's wonderful when all of those things are going in your favor, when your career is going great, when you're making money, when you have great status. But how many of you have lived long enough on this planet to know that those things can be taken away from you? And when you put all of your stock in those things and they're taken away from you, your identity can be shaken. Here's another place that we tend to look for identity, and that would be popularity. It's the idea of I am what others think. We're not talking about a popularity contest. Another way of putting this is approval. We look for our, our identity often in the approval of others. Many people are driven to, to find their identity and their self worth in the approval of other people. Maybe it's your parents, your boss, your coworkers, your friends. Maybe it's a relationship. We all have that one friend who cannot go without a relationship. They got to be in a relationship all the time because they're looking for some kind of validation, approval from others. Many people are looking for approval on social media. Come on, they find their identity and their self-worth in likes and in heart emojis and in comments and how many friends they have, how many followers that they have. For many people, this is huge, the approval of others. And you know what happens when we, when we put, too much, put, put too much stock? We invest too much of our identity into the approval of others. When people praise us, when we have the admiration of people, come on, our spirits soar. But when people criticize us, we get down in the dumps and we become very, very defensive. Those are signs that we've put a little bit too much into the approval of others. Here's the third place we tend to look for identity, and that would be possessions, It's this idea that I am what I own. How many of you know the message of our culture is whoever has the most stuff wins? That's the competitive culture we're living in, right? Every day we're living and breathing in a culture that preaches this idea to us that the more stuff you have, the happier you're going to be. And so, so many people get invested in in this, right? Trying to find identity and and esteem through accumulating material possessions in status symbols. Stop and think about it for a moment. There's a reason they call them status symbols. People are literally trying to find a sense of status by purchasing things. We have just a little bit of that going on around here in Westchester and Connecticut. Have you noticed? Anybody? (laughs) And so, what happens is we can end up comparing what we have to other people and feeling really inadequate really inadequate when we find our identity in, in material possessions. So here's the question. Why is it if we know that these things are not ultimately fulfilling, why is it that we constantly drift toward looking for our identity in these things? Stop and think about that for for a moment because I want to go back to that idea. If you don't find your identity in a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you don't find your identity in Christ, what he's done for you, what he's revealed about God to you, then you will always be looking for worth and dignity and and esteem and all these other things. And so this is a powerful truth that can set you free today if we can get our heads around it. This is the first step to freedom because when you get this truth of who you are in Christ, it sets you free from having to chase after all of these other things to find affirmation and validation. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. And so here's the question. What did Jesus teach us about identity? What did Jesus teach us about identity? Well, one of the most powerful things that Jesus came to show us is to reveal God to us as a loving heavenly father. Jesus taught a lot of powerful things, amazing things, but one of the most powerful things that Jesus came to show us was, re- was to reveal to us God as a loving heavenly father. Think about the Lord's Prayer, the most famous prayer in the Bible. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Our Father right? Who are in heaven. Jesus came to to show us the way back to the father. He came to show us that we could have a personal relationship with God. Jesus came to show us that, that we could have a new identity as children of God, as sons and daughters of God. Like we could literally know him, not just as creator, Not just as the giver of the commandments, that's how the people of God had had thought of him. Not just as this all-powerful being, but literally to have this close relationship so that we can call him father and begin to think of ourselves, our core identity, as sons and daughters of God. Let me tell you something. If we can get a hold of that revelation of what Jesus came to reveal, it'll change your life. Here's what John chapter 1 verse 12 says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. Wow, that's, that's, that's what we actually have in Christ, the right to be called the children of God. Not because of anything we've done, not because of our perfect church attendance, not because we put money in the offering, not because we're good, upstanding citizens. No, because of what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. When we place our faith in him, he's given us the right to become children of God. Now, as amazing as that truth is, as powerful as that truth is, as life-changing as that is, We struggle to receive that gift. We can amend that, but here's the reality. We, We struggle with this concept often of seeing God as our heavenly father. Why is that? Well, I have a few reasons. I think first of all, that's because we all had earthly fathers and they weren't perfect. Come I on, there's one thing we all have in common, right? It, it, our fathers weren't, weren't perfect. And so maybe you had a good relationship with, with your dad, and maybe you, you, too, you do to this day, but, but your dad wasn't perfect. Maybe some of you, you didn't have a good relationship with your father, or you don't have a relationship, or maybe you, your dad was absent from your life, or maybe you felt like you never had your parents' approval or your father's approval. And so when you think about this, this is a really hard concept for you to think of God as father because you're carrying around a father wound in your heart. I think for many people, that, that stops us from being able to see him as, as a father. I think some of us, we struggle to see God as a loving heavenly father because we were given a different view of God. Some of you who grew up in certain churches or certain traditions, like your view of God is that he was like a taskmaster. Like, you know, there was never, you could never do enough to have his approval. It was like the goalpost was always being moved, right? But By your church and you, you never felt like you could live up. You never felt like you could do enough good things. You always felt like you were condemned or sinning or doing wrong. And and so this idea that God's a loving heavenly father, that's a hard thing for you to get your mind around. For Some of you, you struggle with this because you've been through seasons of of hurt and and disappointment and and, and times where you're like, why God? You know, why God moments? God, where were you in this season of, of my life? I mean, be honest for a moment. When you stop and think about God right now, how do you think God feels about you? Right now, looking at your life this past week since the last time we were together, if you were in church with us last Sunday, how do you think God feels about you right now? It's a really revealing question about how we see God, right? But here's the amazing thing. The amazing thing is we don't have to go through life wondering if God loves us. We don't have to go through this life wondering if God approves of us. We don't have to go through this life wondering if God wants to have a relationship with us. When you place your faith in Jesus and invite him into your life, God's spirit comes to live on the inside of you. And one of the Holy Spirit's roles is to testify to your spirit that you're born again, that you're sons and daughters of God, that you're loved, that you're accepted, that you're approved of, that you're received into the family of God. We don't have to go through life wondering what God is like. We don't have to go through life wondering what God thinks about us. Jesus came to reveal him to us as a loving heavenly father. In fact, the apostle Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 8. He describes our identity in Christ this way. Look at this, Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. He says, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. That's those who are followers of Jesus. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and we could say daughtership to include the ladies. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. That's like daddy, like dada, like that kind of intimate relationship. Abba, Father. Look at verse 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with God. Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Come on, Paul says this is what happens when you're in Christ. This is your new identity. This is how he sets you free. This is literally the work that he wants to do on the inside of you, in your heart. He he wants you to know exactly who you are. He wants you to know exactly where you stand with God. In fact, there's an inner witness in your spirit. Here's the big idea today, church. Freedom comes when you know who you are in Christ. Come on, if you want to experience freedom, if you want to go on this journey, let me invite you to take the first step. Freedom comes when you know who you are in Christ. You're not searching for your identity and all these other things, but you found your way home. And so here's the question today. Who are you? Who are you? Come on, let me give you some ideas today to encourage you. Who are you? Number one, in Christ, you're adopted as a child of God. You're adopted as a child of God. Welcome to the family. Look at verse 14. Paul said this, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. They're the children of God. They're not just good church members. They're not religious people. They're the children of God. Changes your identity. It's a whole new identity change. You've been adopted into the family of God. You know, when I go home to visit my family, to visit my parents, down in Louisiana. When I walk through the door of my parents' house, I'm just a son. I'm one of four boys. When I get to my parents' house, I am off duty. I'm not Pastor Jeremy. I don't have to preach. I don't have to counsel. I don't have to lead. They wouldn't listen to me anyway, because I'm just one of the boys, okay? My brothers don't care. My parents don't care. I'm just a son, right? I just walk in the door and open the refrigerator, and mom starts cooking for me. Hello? I know exactly who I am, right? I don't have to perform. There's nothing I have I have to do. Let, let me help you get to today. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, there should be an inner sense of relief. There should be a sense of homecoming, like you've found your place, a seat at the table. You have refrigerator rights. You can walk into the house of God and put your feet up on the couch because you are loved and welcomed. And for many of you, you've been in church for years or maybe you have a church background and there's never been this sense of relief. Come on, Paul's saying when you're in Christ, there's this sense of adoption. You're home. You're home. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're set free from from striving to be loved and striving to be accepted. In Christ, you're already loved. In Christ, you're already accepted. Come on, in Christ, you're already approved of. You are a child of God. And so your self-esteem your self-worth, your purpose, your worth, your identity. It comes from this new reality that you are a child of God, adopted into the family of God. He saved a seat for you at the table. Who are you? Who are you? Number two, in Christ, you're set free from the slavery of fear. You're set free from the slavery of fear. Look at what Paul says in verse 15. The spirit you receive does not make you Slaves, so that you live in fear again. Paul says the, the, the spirit that you receive does not make you a slave to religion, does not make you a slave through jumping through the religious hoops and, and always trying to earn your way into God's favor. No, 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 no. You no longer have to relate to God out of fear. You don't have to no longer have to relate to, to, to God as a God who's looking to punish you or, or condemn you or a God who's never happy with you. No, no, no. Something fundamentally is transformed in your relationship with God, and you begin to know Him as a loving, heavenly Father. And that, that sets you, you free. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in the fear that you can never perform good enough. You don't have to live in fear of what others will think of you if you don't live up to their approval or if you never accumulate enough possessions to impress all of your friends. No, no, all of that has changed. All of that has changed. Point number three, who are you? Who are you in Christ? Number three, in Christ, you're an heir to the promises of God. You're an heir to the promises of God. Look at verse 17. Paul says, Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Come, on, how do you know that's pretty good company to be in if you're a co-heir with Christ? Like all the promises of God for Christ, like you get in on that. That's that that's an amazing thought. Can you imagine finding out that a long-lost, wealthy relative left, left you like a great inheritance? left you a fortune. Wouldn't that be amazing to have a lawyer show up at your house and say, I have some news for you. Like you are the last surviving relative, right? Of this, this relative who, who left you a fortune. Hello, Merry Christmas. Your life has changed. How many of you can get excited about that? Okay. Now, if you get an email like that and somebody asks for your social security number, don't, don't give it to them. Okay. <laughs> That's spam. Just put that in your, in your junk folder. But think about how that would change your life. Come on, you got to get this today. You are an heir to the promises of God, the salvation of God, the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, the healing touch of God, the freedom of God, the presence of God. He promised to never leave you nor forsake you. There's a promise to take to the bank. He's going to be with you no matter what you're going through. Heir to the promises of God. And look what Paul goes on to say in verse seventeen. He says, "If indeed we share in His sufferings in, in Jesus's sufferings, in order that we may also share in, in His glory." Paul tells us even Jesus suffered. He reminds us he, he, even Jesus even Jesus suffered. He went through difficult times. So we shouldn't be surprised if we're going through difficult times. Come on, some of you right now you're going through some difficult difficult situation. There's some there's some pain. In your heart, there's been some suffering. Paul says, don't don't let that shake your identity. Even Jesus suffered. But, But here's the good news Paul reminds us of. Just as Christ's sufferings were not hopeless and wasted, neither are yours. Come on, we know the good that God brought out of Jesus' suffering. We, we, it couldn't get any worse than the cross. Hello, it can't, nobody's looking to crucify you. It couldn't get any worse than the cross. And what came out of Jesus' worst moment? The best moment for the human race, the redemption of humanity from our sins. So we can trust, even in the difficult times, that he's the God who is working all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. What does that mean for us? You don't have to have an identity crisis every time you go through a difficult season. Because that's what we do sometimes. God, where are you? God, do you still love me? God, have you forgotten me? God, does this faith thing work? Has everything I've placed my my, my faith in, has it been shaken? No, 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 no. You can be reminded that even, God even brought goodness out of Jesus' suffering. If he can redeem what Jesus went through on the cross, there's nothing he cannot redeem in your life. Nothing is wasted with him. Nothing is wasted with him. And so your identity doesn't have to be shaken. Now, I want to encourage you today. I want to just leave you with my own personal testimony of this journey of freedom. Because a few years ago, I went through an identity crisis. So I'm a kind of type A driven person. Um, if you've ever done the Enneagram personality profile, I'm a number three on the Enneagram. I'm an achiever. I, I tend, yes, yeah, surprise, surprise. I tend to find like a lot of my natural satisfaction and self-worth in, in my accomplishments. I, I can drift toward that. I can feel really kind of satisfied and in my achievements, and a few years ago, God took me through a transition in life, where most of the things that I had kind of placed my, my trust in to to have a sense of identity, they were shaken um, as I went through this transition. I didn't lose my job or get fired, or anything anything like that. It wasn't about that, but but my my ministry capacity changed, and I did lose my title, and my position changed. And the way people saw me changed, and I kind of lost the, the sense of affirmation that I got from, from leading people. And even my financial security for a season was kind of up in, in the air. And all of these things that I had trusted in were shaken in my life. And can I tell you, for about a year or two, I felt lost. I felt lost. But let me tell you, looking back, that's the best thing that ever happened in my life. Because when all of those things were stripped away, the only place I could find my identity was in Him. In Him that season of life for me was really revealing because it wasn't until I went through that season that I began to recognize that I had placed a lot of my value and my self-worth in the opinions of others, in my performance and who I was in the eyes of other people and all I had for the better part of a year or two, all I could hold on to was the very promise of scripture that we're reading today my identity was only found in being a son, just being a son. God, I just want to be a son in your house, to really believe that's the most important thing in my life. God, God stripped me back down to that truth, and it changed my life, changed my life. And i want to tell you today, it's the first step to freedom, because some of you, you're in an identity crisis right now. For some of you as I share this message, you're in a, maybe a season change in life. Maybe you, maybe you lost a job or you're changing careers or maybe your financial life has been impacted or maybe there's a relationship in your life that's broken right now that's come to an end and, and maybe you're just going through a season change in life and, and there's a little sense of like, who am I? What, what, what is my identity? Maybe even as I'm sharing this message, you recognize that you've vested a little bit too much of your identity in your performance, in your socioeconomic status, in what you've achieved in life, or maybe you've been tempted to find too much of your identity in the approval of other people, what somebody else thinks about you. Maybe for some of you today, there is that that wound in your heart from your parents that sense that I never knew if I had my, my parents' approval. Maybe for you, it is a father wound. You'd say, I, don't really, I, don't, I never really felt like I had my, my father's approval. And there's this, 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 this identity crisis that you're facing right now in, in, in your life. Come on, let me ask you this question. Where do you find your identity? Where, where, where do you find your identity? Where, where are you seeking it? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, let me, let, me, let me reframe that question. If you're a Christian, where do you find yourself seeking identity outside of Christ, outside of who you are in him? Because let me tell you, freedom comes when you know who you are in Christ, when you know just how well you've been loved, when you know just how well you've been accepted, when you know just how well you've been approved. Come on, you really begin to believe that God loves you just as you are, the good, the bad, and the ugly, that there's nothing you can do to make him love you anymore. There's nothing you can do to make him love you any less. But you're set free. From the constant striving to live up to the approval of others, to live up to even the standards you've set for yourself and your own performance. You know, Jesus, he told a story. It's one of his most famous parables in all the scriptures and really my favorite parable. It's the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son. And many of you are familiar with it. It's famous in our culture. But he tells the story of a son who asked for his inheritance, demanded his inheritance from his father. And he ran away from home and the scripture says he blew his money in a more immoral living riotous living he left home to go find his identity somewhere else in the pleasures of this world and his world came crashing down he lost everything he ran out of money he ran out of friends and he found himself in a dead-end job slopping the hogs feeding the pigs and he had this moment the scripture says he, he came to his senses he woke up and he recognized you know even even my father's servants have it better than I have it right now. Like if I could just go back home and be accepted as a servant, I'm not even worthy to be called a son. I've lost that identity, but I could just go home and be a slave in my father's house. And so he's set back home. And the scripture says that on his way home, his father was already out looking for him in the fields. And the scripture says when he was a far way off his father ran out to meet him. Come on, before he could say anything, before he could do anything, before he could confess anything, before he could even fall at his father's feet to ask and beg for forgiveness, his father ran out to meet him. Before he could go to church on a Sunday morning, before he could put money in the offering, before he could read his Bible and pray every day. Do you see it? Before he could live up to whatever expectations we have, he was received and loved by the father who ran out to meet him. That's who God is. He's the father who runs out to meet you today. He meets you where you are. He meets you where you are and he welcomes you home. He welcomes you home. If we could ever get a hold of that truth that that's who God is, it would change your life. And so I want to invite you to stand with me. Come on, we're going to pray into this. Would you stand with me today? you just bow your heads. We're going to lift our hearts to our loving heavenly father. We need a revelation of that today for the first time, for the hundredth time, to know who God is, to be set free, to walk in this identity. Would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you today that you are a loving heavenly father. You're a good God. You have revealed yourself as a loving heavenly father. And Lord, today, you're inviting us to come home, to come home. Jesus, we run home to you today. Father, we run home to you today. God, we're sorry for looking for our identity in all of these other places, in our performance, what people think about us, what we can accumulate. And Lord, today, we are running home to your loving arms. And we thank you that while we were yet sinners, Jesus, you gave your life for us. Before we could say anything or do anything, you already loved us. Father, I'm speaking healing to people's hearts today. I'm speaking freedom over your people today. Father, I pray for the person today who it's hard for them to conceive of you as a a loving heavenly father because maybe they didn't have a relationship with their father. They had a broken relationship with with their father. God, I thank you that you're the father they always wish they had. You're the father who's seen them their whole lives. Your hand has been upon them their whole lives. You've never failed them. You're with them today. And I pray that you would unclog the spiritual blockage of our hearts that keep us from seeing you for exactly who you are. Set us free to be your sons, to be your daughters, just to be loved for who we are, not because of anything we've done, but Jesus, because of what you've done on our behalf. And now, Lord, I want to pray for the person who feels so far away from you today. I want to pray for the person who's in this place who would say, Pastor Jeremy, I want to know God that way but God feels so far away. God feels miles away today, but man, if I could just know him and have a relationship I've known about him and maybe you had a childlike faith when you were a kid, but but God feels so far away today, but you say today there's something tugging on my heart. We believe that is the gentle tug of a loving God who is drawing you to himself by his spirit today and he's saying, come home, come home, come home. It's time to come home. And that begins by saying yes to Jesus. And so if that's you today, I wanna invite you just to pray Pray this prayer with me right there in your seat under your breath just say Jesus I give you my yes come on Jesus I give you my yes I come home today I come home today I place my faith in you pray this with me I place my faith in you I believe you are who you said you are the son of God that you lived a sinless life on my behalf that you went to the cross for my sins and you were resurrected to give me new life and I place my faith in you. Pray this with me. I turn from my sins, and I trust in you, and I come home today. Father, I thank you for every person who prayed that prayer today. God, I thank you for your spirit that testifies to our spirit, that we're born again, sons and daughters, new creations in Christ Jesus, never the same, and we give you thanks today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.